الحمد لله رب العالمين العاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على ظالمين اللهم صل على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تمسك بسنته يوم الدين ثم أما بعد بإذن الله تعالى I would like and I ask that everyone please pull out a copy translation of the Quran or pull up the app on your phone bithilahi ta'ala for those who are present for those who hear my voice for those who are, who are at home who are at home watching bithilahi ta'ala to turn to surah al-furqan verse 63 bithilahi ta'ala just so everyone yani, can follow along. But before saying that, I want to take a few moments to thank and show some appreciation for the brothers and the sisters who have come out to class and to this workshop on these days. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward each and every one of you tremendously. May Allah ta'ala bless you. May Allah ta'ala bless your families. May Allah ta'ala give you the very best in this world and in the next. The brothers, alhamd, were very attentive, alhamdulillah, answering questions that they were given no fair warning that they will be asked did an excellent job. May Allah Ta'ala reward you and bless you tremendously. And I also want to take this time to thank our sisters. Because how often is it you always hear in lectures, brothers saying, sisters, please quiet down. Sisters, again, you know, we get past notes. The sisters is talking. Well, you know what? We also get past information when the sisters do right. And Alhamdulillah, the sisters were very attentive. They were taking notes. There was nobody talking on the side, so on and so forth. This is excellent. May Allah Ta'ala reward and bless each and every one of you tremendously. Amen. Bidnilahi Ta'ala, um, because I don't want to take too long, inshallah Ta'ala, because I know love will be soon, inshallah Ta'ala. So we want to get right to it. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, Innama bu'ithtu that verily I have only been sent. And innama, innama in the Arabic language is from the Arawatul Hasr. It is from those expressions that they restrict something, like the uh, famous hadith that we all know, innama al-a'malu bin-niyat. That verily actions are only by their intentions. Now, innama al-mu'minuna ikhwa. Verily the believers, they are only brothers. So what is the relationship of the believers, the, the, the Muslims, is that we are brothers and sisters one to another, what, in deen. Now, I'm nothing else. In namat, we're only brothers and sisters in deen. That's it. So our connection is the, the highest connection because we have the brotherhood of Iman and the sisterhood of Iman. So the Prophet Wasallam he used this word, in nama bu'ithu, that verily I've only been sent 
مكارم الأخلاق in one narration أو صالح الأخلاق in another that only be sent to perfect the good character to perfect and complete the righteous and wholesome character نعم so with this being the case we know there is a there is an emphasis on good character in the deen of al-islam there is an emphasis on good character in the deen of al-islam so when it comes to good character this is something that we should all aspire to the prophet وسلم, he was the best example as relates to good character as the prophet وسلم, he had excellent character Allah Ta'ala, he says, And verily, you have the most outstanding character. You are on a, an extremely awesome, tremendously outstanding character. Now, the Prophet So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is informing us that the Prophet وسلم, he had the best of character. The best character. Now, and with that, the Prophet وسلم, when he used to stand at night, to pray Qiyamul Layl. He used to say in his dua, Allahumma hdini li ahzan al akhlaq. Oh Allah, guide me to the best character. For innahu la yahdi li ahziniha illa ant. Because verily none guides to it except but you. So this is a lesson for us that if we want to perfect our character, we have to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he will go on to say inside of his uh, du'a that he will ask Allah Taala, "Wasrif anni sayyiha and remove and repel from me the evil character, the bad aspects and the evil character. Remove it from me. Wasrifhu anni. I have one. La yasrifhu anni sayyiha illa ant because no one will remove." the bad characteristics from me and the bad character from me except for you. Now, Hadith Sahih, Rawahu Muslim, and Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So, good character is a must. And we know that when the, when our mother, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, when she was asked about the character of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, she said that his khuluq was what? The was the Quran. That his khuluq it was the Quran. Naam. So, with this being the case, <clears throat> we have as the, the title of the lecture is the Quran and good character. The Quran and good character. Naam. So, everything from good character that a person may aspire for, may want to have, is going to be there in the Quran. The Quran is going to point him to it. Naam, the Quran is going to point him to it. That which Allah Ta'ala revealed will point him to it from the Kitab and the Sunnah. So, because our time is limited, we want to focus in on some characteristics that are from good character and reflect on them and the impact that they will have on our lives if we would just implement them. So now, inshallah Ta'ala, turn to... The aforementioned surah and chapter, surah al-Furqan, and we will begin with verse number sixty-three. Now, surah al-Furqan, verse number sixty-three. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here in these in this group of ayat goes over some very important characteristics, traits, and descriptions from the good character of the believers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says, وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمْ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا Allah Ta'ala, he says, what translated means, the servants of the Rahman, the servants of Ar-Rahman, the most merciful, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, are those who walk on the earth humbly. When the arrogant people speak to them, they reply peacefully. Naam. Let's look at this verse right here for a quick moment. These ayat, هَذِهِ مِنْ صِفَاتِ عِبَادِ اللَّهِ عِبَادِ الرَّحْمَانِ These are from the characteristics of the servants of the Most Merciful, the servants of Allah Azza wa Jal. Those believers who walk upon the earth in humility. Naam. The ulama, they mention, Imam Al-Kathir, he mentions the side of his tafsir, Bisakina, they walk with tranquility. Naam. This is very important because here in the ayah, we have guidance for how to walk. We know those who us who live in this region and grew up in this region of the Northeast. Those of us who came up in the 70s and the 80s and even the 90s for the younger ones. After that, Allahu A'lam, I don't know. I don't know what these young, younger and younger people is doing, but we know that there was a time where when you had the cool walk, how that cool walk looked. Like you thought you can break the ground, right? You see some guys and, and, and you want to show them that you're not the one to mess with, then you put on the walk. But we have guidance on how to walk. And some of us as Muslims, sometimes we still walking like that because we have become accustomed to it. But we have guidance on how to walk. Walk peacefully, tranquility. Naam. So Imam Al-Kathir, he mentioned, he said, this means that they walk with sakina, and they walk and, it, and, it, and it's tranquil. Min ghayri They're not walking in a manner that is arrogant. Because sometimes in a manner that is arrogant, it's not necessarily the way that we used to walk, because we know what that intends, maybe. But also those people who they walk with their, their noses up. There's also a manner of walking that is arrogant. Now, so those things that are linked to walking arrogantly, aggressively, so on and so forth, then as Muslims, we shouldn't walk like that. So we have guidance on how to walk. So these are, these are just some characteristics from good character that we learned right here in the beginning of these ayat. Naam. And also, when the ignorant people say something to them, because no doubt, the ignorant people, they're going to say something to us. The disbelievers, sometimes even Muslims who are ignorant, naam, they may say something disrespectful to you. So what is their response now? Is, it, is the response like what many of us were taught, many of us learned, 
Because what, what, what did we learn? We learned if they smack you, then what do you do? You punch them. Right? If they punch you, what? Make them wish they never put their hands on you. This is how, you know, we came up just to go overboard. Be extremely aggressive. You fall down, you better not fall down. You understand? That's why we used to wear boots even in the summertime. So these are these are traits that we have to uh, we have to identify. These were characteristics and, and ways in which we were reared that were un-Islamic. These are things we have to adjust when we, when we when we accept Islam. We have to adjust these things and we have to alter them and we have to replace them with the Islamic guidance. Now, but so when the ignorant ones say something to them, salama, they respond to them by saying salama. Meaning that they respond to them in a way as a mujahid, he mentions, he says, a qalu sadada, that they respond in a manner that is upright. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you say to them salama, the word itself, but you respond to them in a manner that is appropriate for the situation that is upright. Naam. Waqala Sa'id ibn Jubair, Ruddu ma'rufa min al qawl. You respond to them in a manner that is something that is ma'roof. What is ma'roof? What it means is that it is something that is good and is good and is well known. Everybody knows it's good. No one has to think, is that good or not? It's something that is abundantly good. It is something that the, the society understands and knows that is good without any explanation. Now, so you respond to them in a manner that is best given a situation that is appropriate with words that are good. Now, and words that are good doesn't necessarily mean that because I don't want you to understand that this means that you have to become now a pushover and you become someone who anyone can get over and take advantage of. No, not necessarily. You can respond to them in a manner that they understand from you that you're not going to take any type of disrespect. You're not going to take anyone disrespecting your family and so on and so forth without getting and without using vile and deplorable language. But you can respond to them in a respectful manner that 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 screams, I don't play games, do not play with me. Right? What do you say? I said friendly but firm. Friendly but firm. And it can even be not so friendly. Firm and respectful, so they know no. Right? So I don't want you to think, okay, this means you gotta be put no, that means you gotta be a pushover. No, not at all. But you don't have to use foul language. You don't have to become disrespectful. You don't have to become indignant, so on and so forth. Now, and I'm saying this and then focusing on this because this is not necessarily easy. Not for us. This is hard. It takes work. It takes work. It takes training. Hassan al-Basri, he said that what is meant by salama, he says, qala humala'u la yajhalun. He says this means that you have to have you have to be forbearant and you don't act in an ignorant manner. You have to be forbearant and you don't act in an ignorant manner. This is of extreme importance. Now, but anyway, <clears throat> these are from the characteristics of the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the slaves of Ar-Rahman. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he describes, goes on to describe their characteristics. And those who pass the night prostrating themselves and standing before their Lord. 
So these are those who have, they have something with them. They have some portion of the night prayer. Now we can interrogate ourselves. We know whether or not we have a portion of the night prayer. The night prayer does not necessitate that you go to sleep and then you wake up in the middle of the night and then you pray. If you can do that, that's good. If you can go to sleep and wake up in the last third of the night, that is better. But if you knowing yourself knows that you are an individual who your regiment be because of your, 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 your work schedule, so on and so forth, is difficult for you to wake up in the middle of the night and pray and still be able to get the work on time and to be efficient at your job, then what do you do? You pray before you go to sleep because the night prayer technically is any prayer after Isha. Any prayer after Isha. So if you're traveling and you are com and you combine Maghrib and Isha because you are a traveler, so you combine Maghrib and Isha in the time of Maghrib, any prayer you do after that is a night prayer. Even if it's just three rakat. Aqal, the most the, 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 the smallest amount you can pray from the night prayer, rakat. One rakat. Just to pray with. Now, so we shall all have a portion of the night prayer. Even if it's one rakat. Huh? Even if it's just one rakat. We shall all have a portion of the night prayer. So this is from the characteristics of the righteous. Now look at the next verse. 65. وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا صُرِفْ and O our Lord, avert from us the punishment of the hell. Indeed, its punishment is persisting, is a persisting affliction. The punishment of hell, it persists, it don't stop, it can keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So they ask Allah to save them from this and this is what very important innaha sa'at mustaqarra wa muqama because verily it is indeed an evil abode and a place to dwell in so they make dua they're constantly begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is from the characteristics of the slaves of the Rahman that they are constantly begging Allah Ta'ala, remembering Allah Ta'ala, making dua into Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, asking Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to protect them from the hellfire, asking Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to give them the Jannah. These are all characteristics that are indicative of the righteous slaves of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. These are characteristics that we have to have. Now these are all things that what we can work on right now. We can either work to increase them or we can work to establish them. But these are things that we can all do. Allah Ta'ala goes on to say in the next verse, And those who when they give, those who when they spend, They do not overspend, nor are they miserly. They don't spend in an extravagant manner, nor are they miserly. 
qawama but they spin in a manner that is between them two between extravagance and between um, being like stingy now there's a better word for it right you have extravagant and the other word in english is what Niggardly, nah, but this is like a person that's stingy. Miserly, nah, also stingy. But we're talking about an individual who they just so cheap, they don't want to spend on nothing. Tight, right? There's, a, there's another word that doesn't come to mind. Cheapskate, greedy, huh? spendthrift. Even like, even like this, no, because that means they're careful. But a person that just, they don't want to spend on nothing. They have a lot of money, but they don't want to spend on anything. They always find their ways, you understand? Right? Yeah. So these, so the person, so, so the believers between the two, they're not a person that goes to the extreme where they, they, they're overspending. They're not a person that they, they don't even spend. They have the ability to spend, but they, they so cheap, they don't even want to spend on it. No, the believers in the middle. Now, I just want you to reflect real quick on this one, inshallah ta'ala, that we, we live in a time where a lot of people, are, they love talking about, you know, being uh, fiscally respons uh, yani responsible, right? Um, uh, you know, talking about finances, right? And uh, having financial literacy and the like. We live in that time. People, it's, it's like popular right now. And it's a good thing, inshallah ta'ala. But what's some of the things that these quote-unquote gurus some advice that they like to give as relates to spending and being fiscally responsive, uh, responsible. Some of the things they'll tell you is what? Track your spending, right? They'll tell you, live in accordance to your means, right? They'll tell you things like avoid unnecessary spending. Uh, what, what is it? Uh, yeah, they make a budget, stay, stay to your budget, find ways to save money, AKA don't spend on things unnecessarily, so on and so forth. They tell you all these things. Yeah, subhanAllah. And people pay money to go to conferences and to go to workshops and boot camps and listen to these people tell them this type of stuff. And look what Allah Ta'ala tells us right here in this, in this verse. Yeah, subhanAllah. Huh? The guidance is in the Quran. The guidance is in the Quran. SubhanAllah, if we truly understood how rich we really are, if we truly understood what we have at our fingertips, yeah, subhanAllah, we don't need nothing they got to offer. Because we got it. Matter of fact, for those who are intelligent, who are wise, who study Allah's book, it's a good thing for us to be the ones telling them. This is how you're supposed to live your life. This is what Allah Ta'ala teaches. Don't be extravagant and don't be miserly. Be in the middle. You see? That's what, that's what the deen teach us. You might find people accepting Islam from that angle. They get interested. Really? What else to talk about? Then they become Muslim. So for those for those brothers who have and are talented in this in this affair, food for thought. Inshallah ta'ala, I know I don't have much much time, right? I had a lot I want to talk about, but you know, alhamdulillah, what you can't do all, you don't leave it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He goes on to talk about the characteristics of the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala, he says, وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَٰهٍ And those who do not call upon anything else along with Allah. Now we're talking about sins now, right? The greatest sin is to make shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
طيب and then ولا يقتلون النفس and they do not kill they do not take a life التي حرم الله إلا بالحق they do not take a life except where it is justified like the the mass murderer the murderer right you know so on and so forth so there is capital punishment the murderer then he is executed for an example and they do not make fornication they do not commit illegal sexual intercourse so they do not commit fornication meaning they do not have sexual relationships and they do not commit sexual acts outside of marriage and for those who were previously married they do not commit adultery they do not commit adultery وَمَنْ يَفْعَلْ ذَلِكْ And whoever does that, يَلْقَى أَثَامًا Whoever does that, then they will go to أَثَامًا What is أَثَامًا? What is that? Whoever does that, they will be punished. نعم. But it's important for us to know what is أَثَامًا. رُوِيَ عَنْ Abdullah bin, bin, bin Amr It has been Narrated on As Imam Al-Kathiri brings us out of his, his, uh, of his Tafsir On Abdullah bin Amr So write this down That Abdullah bin Amr He said that Athama is wadin fi jahannam He said that Athama is a valley In the hellfire Athama is a valley In the hellfire Naam. Which means that what? This is like a special type punishment. Naam. It's a valley in the hellfire. This is what Abdullah bin Amr he narrated. That a thama is a valley in the hellfire. Waqala Iqrima. And Iqrima, write this one down. Iqrima. He said. يلقى أثاما they will go to أثاما that أثاما it is أودية في جهنم valleys in the hellfire نعم and then he and then he goes on to say يعذب فيها الزنا that they will be punished therein Zuna, the fornicators, those who commit indecent sexual acts, those who have sexual relations outside of marriage. So, of course, what enters into that is lesbianism and homosexuality because it's outside of marriage. A man can't marry a man, and a woman can't marry a woman. So, anything they do sexually is outside of marriage, right? And that this has been reserved for them. وَكَذَا رُوِيَ عَنْ سَعِيد بن جُبَيْر ومجاهد. Also Sa'id bin Jubair and Mujahid, they, they narrate the same thing. That this is a valley in the hellfire where the fornicators, where the adulterers, where they will go to be punished. وَقَالَ سُدِّي 
And Suddi, he mentions, he says, athama jaza'a. He said that they're going to go to Athama as a reward. In other words, because that's what they get. You understand? They go to that special punishment because that's what they get for what they have done. And then Allah Ta'ala, he goes on to say after this, and their torment shall be doubled on the day of resurrection and they shall abide therein disgraced. They will abide therein disgraced, humiliated. Why? Because of what they've done. It's not worth it. It's never worth it. It's never worth it. So we better understand the ulama, ulama, they mention inside of Tafsir Al-Muyassar, they mention, they says, hey, وَالَّذِينَ يُوَحِّدُونَ Meaning what we understand from this ayah. الَّذِينَ يُوَحِّدُونَ اللَّهِ That those who, they single Allah out alone. And inshallah ta'ala, because of the time, I'm just going to read the translation. Rough, because I wasn't intending on doing it like that, but bear with me. That they, those who, they single out Allah alone, the monotheists, those who call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they do not worship any ilah other than him. Those who do not kill and take a life of which it is not permissible for them to take. And then they bring some examples, but inshallah ta'ala will skip that for now because you understood the general example. The, the murderer will be put to death, he will be executed. Now, those who they do not commit acts of fornication or adultery, those who do not commit illegal sexual acts, but rather they safeguard their private parts and they only utilize their private parts with their spouses, with their you know, wives and husbands, with their spouses. And whoever does anything from that, then these are from the major sins which will have a person punished in the hereafter. And they will run the risk and be liable to have that punishment increased on the day of judgment. And also to stay in hell forever, inside of the pit of hell. This is a warning for those who they do all of the aforementioned things. Those who do all of the aforementioned things, they commit shirk. Right? Those who they fornicate. Those who they kill. They ain't going to be in hell forever. You with me? Those who make shirk, the kuffar. They fornicate and they kill, they're going to be in hell forever. This sounds crazy. Person, they say, well, who, who does all that? But some of us from areas that we come from rough and tough, we may know people who do all that. People who were gang members, people who were thugs, people who was who was who was, people who had bodies. Now, Kafir, caught bodies, commit fornication like it's nothing. Did it all. And unfortunately, we may have Muslims who have fallen into this situation. But for the Muslims, as Imam Sa'di he points out in his tafsir of these ayat, they will not stay in hell forever. Meaning, those who, they don't make shirk, they're Muslims, okay? But they may kill people and they may fornicate. So if you're a Muslim and you've fallen into any of these things, know 
that you are under threat of being punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So be scared of that. Because no one can save you from that if Allah ta'ala punishes you. But have glad tidings because Allah ta'ala doesn't end those ayat there. But he goes on to say, Illa man taba. Except for those who they repent وَآمَنَ and they and they believe وَعَمِلَ الصَّالِحَ and they do righteous good deeds. Those who repent, they believe and they do righteous good deeds. I want you to look at these ayat really good because there may be people. Okay, maybe you didn't kill nobody, maybe you didn't fornicate, but maybe you did other sins. Maybe you did a whole bunch of other sins. Now. Now the other sins that you did, are they worse than killing and fornicating? No. You're talking outside of shirk, right? Person does some shirk, you better repent to Allah Ta'ala, it's the worst sin. The minor shirk, minor shirk, shirkul asghar, is worse than killing somebody. It's worse than sleeping with your neighbor's wife. I want you to understand the gravity of shirk. Minor shirk is worse than murder, Worse than fornication. You with me? Okay. So take minor shirk off the table. Take fornication off the table and murder off the table. Maybe you're a whole bunch of other sins that are really bad. Major sins. If you repent to Allah. And if you believe. And if you work righteous good deeds. Allah Ta'ala he says. فَأُولَٰئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنَاتِ Somebody read that for me. Then Allah No, the next sentence. The second sentence in. Then What verse you on now? 70. Uh-huh. Righteous deeds for those Allah will change their sins into good deeds and Allah is ever all forgiving Y'all heard that? Allah will change their sins into good deeds. Not just, you, not just you're forgiven, but all the evil that you did that was in your scroll of evil deeds. Right? So let's say it was a whole lot. Whole lot. All of that evil will be changed into good deeds. And then Allah Ta'ala ends the ayah by saying, And you're going to be forgiven. You're forgiven and not just, okay, it's, it's a race. No, but now all that bad stuff, it gets turned into good deeds. So this is not an encouragement to be upon good character. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. Because... Subhanallah, this is Allah Ta'ala, he says وَمَنْ تَابَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا فَإِنَّهُ يَتُوبُ إِلَى اللَّهِ مَتَابَ Whoever repents and does righteous good deeds turns to Allah truly. So this is what they get. You turn to Allah truly, Allah will forgive you and change your sins into good deeds. These are just some aspects of good character that the Quran explicitly teaches us. If we were just to step back and to reflect and to apply these things to our lives, we will see our lives change tremendously. So I don't care how bad you think you are. 
you're not that bad. I don't care how bad you think you are. You're not that bad. Those people who made the ditch, the people of the ditch, who made the ditch and killed every Muslim in the town. Every Muslim in the town. That's straight genocide. War crime. Right? Even if they have repented, Allah would have accepted it. So ain't none of us that bad. So there is hope. And I want the and I want the youth really to understand that. Those who are caught up in games, there's hope. Get out that game. You can change your life around. And be from the best of the people and be from the people of Jannah. But you have to do what is mentioned. You have to repent. You have to believe and do righteous good deeds. With that, Nakhtafi, we have Al-Qadr. Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وجزاكم الله خيرا